On episode 54 of DevTalk, I speak to Vasilis Rizopoulos about working remotely. Welcome to another episode of DevTalk. My name is Kerry Lothrop, and today's guest is Vasilis Rizopoulos. Vasilis has been working together with me for, for 13 years going now. And so we work together at Zulka. He's also a principal consultant, and he's one of the most knowledgeable people on software development I know. Hello, Vasilis. Oh, I just blushed. Thank you. Hi, Kerry. <laughs> Hi. Um, you're the, the kind of guy uh, our project managers fight about to have them on the team. Maybe not because of your uh, coding, uh, but because of your complete overview of of projects and and getting getting things to work together i have a reputation of taking over projects <laughs> yeah i we usually this is something i actually reflect on lately uh, i find myself when i join a team that due to the way i approach software development um, I kind of get the integration view, so to speak. I, I yeah. figure out how the different pieces uh, of the system fit together. And because usually I end up in a role that is close to... I mean, let's start with this. Usually... Uh, and this is the the roles I have been taking over in the last decade or so. I mean, from the moment actually we, from the project we initially started working together, it's like all those years. Two thousand eight. Was yeah, wow. <laughs> I don't want to think <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah. So though that I, at around that time I started doing uh, focusing a lot more on um, automating the different processes of software development. Mostly mm -hmm. that meant uh, initially build and test automation. But we have evolved over the years. And this, um, this, the, the approach that uh, I usually take in a project encompasses every action and task required in a project. I have a whole theory and, and a, whole, a list of uh, aspirations, as I call them, about uh, what I would like ideally automated in a project. Mm -hmm. I am very loath of using the overhyped term dev DevOps, but in, in its original um, definition and the way it was uh, pitched by the its um, initiators, it basically fitted exactly what I had in mind uh, mm -hmm. as a necessary role in the team. It, it was what you were doing before they called it DevOps. Yeah, basically they, they put a title on it. And then they took yeah. that title and, um, yes, uh, <laughs> it, it became a different thing. I, I am one of those people that has a, a, an immediate allergic reaction to being called the DevOps, the DevOps person or mm -hmm. uh, the DevOps guy, or things like that. But that has more to do with um, my belief that a team needs to find the way it functions in the correct mix of automation and, and work. And there is a role for everyone in this. And my role basically usually is to put everything together at the end in such a way mm -hmm. that it works for 
everyone in the team. Yeah, we have my various aphorisms for that. And uh, yeah, I've been doing this for over 10 years now, I, I have to say. And I find it fascinating because it allows me to work with a lot of different technologies, a lot of different, uh, well, lots of tool chains, lot of, lots of platforms, lots of programming languages. I think of myself as a generalist more than a specialist. Yeah, um, that's a, that's a whole uh, podcast episode in itself. Yes. We were actually going to, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I got you going in the wrong direction. We were actually going to talk about something else because at the time we met in, yes, 2008, um, you were there for a week and then you were not. And uh, this was at the time you were spending half of your life in Greece, in Thessaloniki, and the other half in the office. At, at a time when this level of remote working was very unusual. Can you tell us how, how that came to be? Or was this the first time you had done that? That, that was about the... Now, okay, let's start from the... Let's start backwards. I have worked remotely... So full remote, that means I lived in a different country than the country where my employer is mm -hmm. uh, for a full 12 years. And to put it into context, that was from 2004 till uh, the uh, beginnings of 2016. Mm -hmm. So I actually stopped full remote work <laughs> four years ago. Um, when people started doing it, <laughs> yeah. When when it became when it became um, the the next thing, the one thing that will be done, yeah. Instead of everything else, it's it's actually a very uh, it's a very funny story. I um, moved from Germany to uh, to Spain, Barcelona, following my partner at that, and at the uh, time. I had um, a central role in the project uh, that I was running. The project was towards its end. Mm -hmm. And um, I left. <laughs> I did my the usual thing back then <clears throat> in the summer. Packed up everything in June, June and July. Had a holiday. And then uh, uh, sometime like at the end of uh, August, the phone rang. And my then line manager and boss said, well, we need to wrap this up. Can you, can we find a way of um, um, making this work for a couple of months to wrap it up? I was in the process of uh, learning Spanish, uh, uh, just fresh off uh, summer holiday. Wasn't particularly, let's say, thrilled to start looking for work in Spain. Mm -hmm. So that gave me an easy transition, personally. Um, it uh, uh, and so we 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 did a trial run for a couple of months, and uh, that trial run went went so well that it uh, quickly became permanent. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it is very very interesting the way it uh, evolved over the years. The initial, so when I moved to Spain. To, uh, to start quoting things that uh, will date me. Um, the, 
ADSL lines that were available for home networks, yeah. the maximum speed then was one me- one megabit. Mm-hmm. So they were those were the best lines available. Okay, yeah. and to open up the market, the the telecom providers in Spain were giving for the first time uh, Wi-Fi routers with mm-hmm. these ADSL lines. So you had to to get yourself a one megabit line, and you would get a Wi-Fi router, Wi-Fi enabled router. Now, this is two thousand and four. So our collective um <laughs> knowledge about network and security and access let's say it was a bit primitive so all <laughs> of those routers for every telecom provider all of them came with default passwords of course so yeah. for some some and i had just moved uh, to spain so i did n- and the the contract type so to get a DSL line at home because it was also new, you had mm-hmm. to wait a couple of months. So for the first two months when we did this, when we made this arrangement arrangement and this experiment, I did not actually have ADSL at home. But what yeah. I did was take the laptop, go to the park, okay, do a bit a little bit of war driving. Okay? I don't know if <laughs> anybody remembers what war driving means. It was the I do not. Yeah, well, what driving is the habit of taking, putting your Wi-Fi card in promiscuous mode, scanning for every Wi-Fi signal in the area, usually driving around in a car or a bike or whatever. Okay. And then basically finding which networks are open and using them. Mm-hmm. And um, I admit that uh, that's exactly what I did. I took my laptop, went to the park, found the couple of people that never changed their passwords on the Wi-Fi routers, piggybacked on the Wi-Fi router, and did some work. And this is how... Sure. Um, now, th- uh, there are also other interesting uh, things. For example, we didn't have a um, network, internet-accessible version control system where we could uh, exchange source code and do mm-hmm. things like that. So what we did was, at the end of the day we exchanged zip files. And <laughs> Classic. It, it was a very interesting combination because um, a colleague back then, uh, Stuart Webb, he is Australian. He also had decided to uh, move back to Australia. Okay, so mm-hmm. he moved to Australia from Germany, I well, Switzerland. I moved to Barcelona. We were both working remotely and we basically had a 24-7 coverage because when he went to bed, I woke up okay, yeah. and a zip file would wait for me on the on the email inbox. Okay. And when I closed, when I finished the day, I would just zip everything I had, email it to him and, and continue that, uh, that process. And then when we want, wanted that code committed to the repository, we actually had to mail it to our uh, project manager. That was in Germany, Zealand. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so we did that for a couple of months, but obviously there were some. Um, well, it, it quickly became apparent that you need a much better way of uh, exchanging information, communicating, coordinating. Over the next couple of years, 
with partially with me as a as a guinea pig Tulke as a company built up its uh, remote working capabilities initially we got a virtual private network access mm-hmm. to the intranet uh, with virtual private network access with VPN access we had access to the development infrastructure like version control yeah. and the tracking and all of that and well it is a very interesting uh, evolution because uh, basically nowadays all of that uh, infrastructure is completely accessible via in the internet all of our project and collaboration uh, tools that we use they're not behind a, a mode a castle mode <laughs> of the internet yeah. anymore and and mostly not vpn either yeah yeah we don't well yeah. there are some brilliant exceptions but they're not up to us at the moment yeah so but but what you were describing there that was the the time that i joined we had a vpn set up but we didn't have anything like teams or uh I remember a couple of years later, we got OCS, Office Communication Server, which was followed by Link, which was followed by Skype for Business, and then Teams. And and I remember we had we had some like public chat websites that were we were using and telephone also the really normal telephone line, uh, international calls were still expensive back then, and uh, lots of email, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We did a couple of experiments in uh, project teams, which mm-hmm. um, in Tulke also function sometimes like um, forward explorers. So they, you, you try it in one project, you try it, and if it works, you try it in second project, and if that also works, then you take that idea to the, mm-hmm. the its generic form. And we did things like um, try to set up um, a Java D setup. So have the team maintain it. Mm-hmm. And one team, we actually used Campfire. Yeah. Um, that was our team, yeah. That was, yeah. Mm-hmm. That w- those were all the initial explorations of uh, figuring out exactly what type of uh, communication we need. I mean, the the actual chat rooms, that was a a, a huge thing. I, I believe it took a lot of time for people to actually get used to asynchronous communication. Mm. I can I can say that some people are still not used to asynchronous communication. <laughs> this is like the this um, etiquette of uh, I know you, I don't, I don't know what if it if you are of the same opinion, but when somebody sends me <clears throat> a chat message that just says hi. This yeah. is for me. This is like a spin lock. This is somebody. Somebody is on the other line and is actively <laughs> waiting for you to respond. So it's yes. this is I, synchronous communication. It's not asynchronous. I was thinking about that today. Yeah, they will only tell you what they want once they know you are available at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. This is a big subject currently. I mean, in the mm-hmm. uh, at the the current time where most of our work, well, our work all happens online. We are fully, completely, totally remote currently. Yeah. And uh, it still is um, a point uh, to to refer to. Almost with every new addition to the team, 
this is don't say hi put the context in the message if you're sending it via chat if you put it in slack if you put it in teams ask the question don't ask me if you can ask a question because yeah. you don't know when i'm gonna look at it do not demand right. yeah. my attention don't lock my attention give me the opportunity to process it at my own pace this is what mm -hmm. asynchronous communication is for if you are really under pressure and there is urgency just call yeah <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, well, over the years, we, we've seen this grow. So at the time, like we had VPN, right? We didn't even have Wi-Fi in the office. Uh, no, we didn't. And it, it it grew from there to, to making it so much easier over the years for somebody to be remote uh, to, we, we, I mean, the, like the, this whole, what ended up being teams uh and its predecessors that, that that was a real blessing to to be able to call your colleagues share share your screen i mean that, that was something <laughs> at at one point we weren't able to share our screens you know and i mean that's synchronous communication then you have to think about okay write an email put a screenshot in that is just it can be so much more productive if if you're able to to work look at the same thing and figure out a problem together for example it's fascinating because i mean initially we couldn't share screens i mean we had chat and then we had calls mm -hmm. and then we had video uh, and then there was this point in time where the actual corporate network was not set up in such a way as to allow more than two of us to be on the same video stream <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because there is also a fascinating aspect of uh, network topologies and how you set up network and how you route packets and how you do layer three routing. If you actually want to do video conferencing and, not, and, and, and route audio without latency and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. um, this is pretty much completely in the background and invisible currently now. Yeah, but it was. I know from my experience with and my contact with the IT engineers at Zulke that it was there was some serious engineering in setting up or retrofitting the office networks so that we yeah. could do that across offices as well. Yeah, even nowadays, it's it's probably best to go out of the VPN to uh, to do video conferencing. <laughs> Yeah, look at that. I haven't been in the VPN like in... Yeah, me neither. <laughs> well, since since the pandemic started. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. I, I also avoid it. But it's... it's uh, Well, nowadays, uh, we, we tend to authenticate... Well, we, we don't bring the remote workers into this castle where everybody knows everyone and, and everyone is trusted, but we authenticate each service. And uh, that makes it much easier, actually, I think. Um, I agree. This was um, a point of contention. I mean, setting up these networks, this the old castle and moat model of the, the internet, where as soon as you are in, you have access to everything. Mm -hmm. That also took a bit of deconstructing. I mean, there are remnants, even in a company like Zulke, that is set up and has the know-how to put all of these things properly together. Yeah. Even there, getting rid of legacy... Mm -hmm. is a very long process, it is a decade 
long process. And it's fascinating actually looking back and seeing, okay, how did we start? It's like 15 years ago, we, we started with a wired ADSL connection to the router and exchanging zip files. And mm-hmm. now um, I can tether myself to my mobile phone uh, on the laptop anywhere and have pretty much five or six or ten times more bandwidth and um, minimal latency to do full video conferencing uh, anywhere <laughs> I want. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anywhere my my mobile roams to. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of this story. Uh, we, uh, we we have this camp once a year at work, and we uh, the whole all of Zulka Germany they go to one location, and then we uh, teach ourselves things. We work on projects that uh, not not customer projects, but but just learning projects. And and I I remember in the beginnings. Uh, uh, it was always hard to to get the hotel to have a an internet connection, and uh, I, I think that the first one I attended, we had like less than four hundred kilobits for the whole company. Yeah, uh, downstream, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was just awful. And some some uh, colleagues had not downloaded the virtual machines prior to <laughs> to arriving at at camp, so uh, they just yeah. blocked the thing for a day. And uh, nowadays, when we go to uh, to a camp, I mean, we're not even if even if the it's usually really good, and even if it should fail the the Wi-Fi at the camp hotel, then everybody's got their own personal hotspot, and they can just go online and download gigabytes uh, as they please. It's it's so much easier. Yeah, I had um, I've actually um, participated. I was a member of a. The conference uh, committee, well, the Euroco conference, Euroco is the, the European Ruby conference. It's a conference that actually changes uh, every year. So it moves from country to country. Mm-hmm. And at the end of each conference, there's a vote to decide which country is going to take it the next year. And uh, in 2013, uh, it was given to Athens. Mm-hmm. And... I was part of the the team that set it up. I can tell you that this was also the usual case. I haven't been to a conference in a year, and so I have forgotten. I think, but <laughs> you know what? When in every in almost every conference, the the Wi-Fi doesn't work the first day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was exactly that in two thousand eighteen and thirteen. It was exactly like that in the Euro conference. It's you you get four to six hundred people in a in a room, it doesn't matter how much bandwidth you actually have on the pipe. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of technology. I find it fascinating. My my background is in networks Mm -hmm. originally. So what I studied in the the university and uh, I did a lot of network setups back back when networks were on coaxial cables. And had terminator resistors, <laughs> but um, I find the the whole science behind it fascinating, and uh, I have to admit it is very very difficult to get right, especially uh, Wi-Fi. Yeah, but the thing is, there is one thing I want to tell. I mean, we're talking about remote and the and 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 
kind of I think myself as a kind of a grungy old man talking about how the old days everything was so difficult and, 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 and we did it <laughs> all of that uh, that's not exactly the case the thing is the technology has evolved it has basically receded in the background because we don't think about it it works right? everybody has a perfect video conferencing device in in their hands basically yeah and the the aspects of uh, remote working that are really difficult and don't have to do with technology anymore have to do with uh, communication and 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 people and how do you actually do this mm. and i have been over the years you know going from f- working fully remote with a company that wasn't yet ready to do full remote Okay. Yeah. So um, there have been cases, for example, when um, there was a daily, uh, but the the screensaver went out or went on on the laptop at work, and I was on the other side in in Greece. And um, yes, uh, people forgot me. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was an era where you actually had to be very proactive on. Uh, requiring the attention, especially if the team was partly collocated, which makes mm-hmm. it very, very difficult, uh, to uh, now discussing if um, teams uh, can be completely fully remote. Yeah. And I find that both extremes, so a collocated team with no remote working possibilities or a completely remote team, both extremes have disadvantages for me yeah well now we're in a situation or we we were suddenly rushed into a situation where remote work has become the new normal for a lot of people um so in when when covid hit or the coronavirus hit uh in march of 2020 it, it was really quick at our, our work that that they said okay everybody work from home as much as possible we were lucky i think that that everything was set up already i mean we we've been struggling for years and now we we had everything running and and that was the time when it hit and it the transition to complete remote was was pretty smooth yeah yeah i mean i don't remember i think that we 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 took uh version control we made version control complete accessible via the internet the the december december yeah. of 19 i think around that time so it was mm-hmm. like perfect timing basically <laughs> yeah 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 and uh, and then the people people got this completely functioning infrastructure not just just at our office but around the world people are they just Uh, launch teams for the first time and everything just works and and they just take it for granted and then they they fuss about that there there's no animated backgrounds uh for, for teams and and uh you, you yeah well you you just take everything for granted because it, it that's how you expect it to work but it you don't well you 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 don't know what what went into getting to this point of everything just just working there and you not you not noticing it anymore yeah i, I mean on the one i i find this actually beneficial 
but basically the um, the technology was at exactly the right point of maturity to serve us during the pandemic, okay. which is fortunate. We we got lucky, basically. It also has, for me, a different positive, positive let's say, positive thing. It it makes this um, this issue of how you communicate when you be when you are remotely, how you communicate when you are remotely, if you are not used to working remotely. These, I think, these are most of the problems uh, people get, mm-hmm. and we as software developers uh, have a bit more contact, even if we individually don't have as much experience working remotely it is a subject that has been prevalent for at least a decade in well maybe less mm-hmm. uh, in our no i mean yeah okay i will name drop the um there is a developer i admire very much and i've known for a few years avdi grim and he used to have a, a podcast about remote working called white teams Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I think the last episode he did was 2013 on that subject. Okay. <laughs> so it has been for about a decade in the foreground uh, for, especially for uh, software developers. Mm-hmm. It is the the privilege of the of uh, of our work. Eh? We can do this. It's very easy. There is no, there's very little actual manual work involved. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, so we've had more contact with it, and these things, these uh, inside jokes, like um, the most popular opening. Okay, what is it when you every time you video conference with somebody? What do you say? <laughs> Can, Can you, you hear, hear me? me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, yeah. <laughs> this is, um, they are um, well. They are allusions to to the difficulties we face, but they. Also, they also they also for me show how people um, deal with this. Uh, I mean, there's a generation that is used to phone calls. There is a generation that is used to messaging, uh, offline messaging and mm-hmm. social media. Mm-hmm. But to actually use these for your day-to-day work and to to have them as the sole communication medium with with your team. I don't know. Personally, I have a lot of challenges. I told you also in the in the in the pre-warm, I find it extremely challenging because I've had to um, boot up a team for a project right as we uh, were in the middle of the first lockdown for mm-hmm. for Corona. So uh, April, uh, March, April. Yeah. And it was people I haven't met physically in real life, and yeah. I find it I found it very challenging gelling a team with people I've only met from the shoulders up, which is, <laughs> and I actually realized it at that at that time was like, why am I having so much difficulty figuring out if how we're gonna communicate as a team and then it hit me i couldn't see the people the people's stance and hands and movements which is something that implicitly 
gives you a lot of information of how what you say is being received. Yeah, well, it's it, that's that in that in that moment when you're actually communicating that that you miss some of that that information that's being transported. But the other thing is never having met someone. You know, we, we've had projects where we we have uh, like locations in in Belgrade and Sofia and in Eastern Europe where we uh, where we have team members who who are part of our teams and we, we've had this for a few years now and uh, but we we still in, in the past we've always tried to meet those people in person to visit them once in a while to to get to know them and to to get to experience that person and and now you're in a situation where you've never met anyone and probably by the time the project is finished you won't have met them yeah yeah and I actually really, really like that policy uh, we have at these distributed projects uh, for mm-hmm. Turkey. The, 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 the effort at the initiation of the project to bring the team together in one place and, and have the people interact physically in the same room and get to yeah. know each other's mannerisms and uh, reactions uh, because written word and basically messaging and emails for me yeah they are we don't realize but we actually interpret them uh, so you voice them in your head and it's really mm. dependent on your actual your own emotional state at the moment you read the email <laughs> so you yeah. can read it mad or you can read it <laughs> uh, arrogant or you can read it uh, uh, dismissive because mm-hmm. all of that, uh, but if you uh, and actually having um, this uh, bezug is what the Germans say the the relation to the 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 the, the picture of the person and how they mm. work and have this mitigates this own interpretation of of text so to speak. Uh, yeah. Again, this is my own experience, you know, <laughs> and uh, and how these are. So. Yeah. To to what I have distilled this to is that I find very comfortable the the a mode that is not fully remote. I find it very, very comfortable to have a team that has the ability at any time, spontaneously, and without much pre planning or uh, a lot of advance warning, to be able to not be at the office. Not work, yeah. but the mm-hmm. the a, a room as a as a frame of reference where we can actually meet eh, in pairs or as a complete team, or uh, because we need to do things like um, improvise or or brainstorm. So the creative process of software development and design for me. Um, requires uh, face-to-face interaction. I find it much, much easier to have somebody yeah. to bounce ideas of uh, scribble something on the whiteboard, put it down and everything. And then, you know, once we get this going and boiling and, and decide on a direction, you know, split and use the remote work to get that precious concentration time. 
the no distractions, no no interruptions, yeah. which is a lot harder in the office than it's <laughs> if you that, try to right, work yeah. remotely. So this balance. Yeah. You were always the person who was the the one remote guy on the team. And I've witnessed that that, that was or that can be a struggle to um, or I've had other projects where like we have, we're all in Frankfurt, but there's this one guy from, from Munich who was also on the team. And he, when we meet, we, we bring him in the call and we try to set up a video so he can, he can watch, but sometimes he doesn't catch all the words because we, we mumble too much. And sometimes we write something on the whiteboard that he can't, can't read. And it's a great experience for the people who are in the room and it's not such a great experience for that one uh, lost soul who is who is the remote worker in the project and now we're in a situation where i'm in a project right now we we've nobody's ever met everybody's at home everybody's in lockdown basically and uh, this is a really good remote working experience because all the, there is no whiteboard that I have to decipher. If, if there's a virtual whiteboard, and there's uh, everybody has their their headsets on, and I can hear everyone clearly, and it's um, yeah more, more uh, I I don't know democratic or or the, the same same situation for everyone, which makes it better for 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 the whole team, I guess. I was um, being the, the the one guy, the remote guy, and uh, mm -hmm. on the team. Um, I, well, I have to say, it th this is it is extremely difficult for the one remote guy. It requires a lot of uh, polling, so the, you 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 actually have to actively seek the attention and 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 get them to notice and uh, do that which can be exhausting over a long time. Mm -hmm. I, for, for a long time, my, my actual ideal, so my belief is that uh, when you're doing things like dailies uh, and you have one remote guy, everybody needs to be remote. Yeah. But this was a very hard thing to, to mandate from a team that mm -hmm. did not have this touch. Now, one of the benefits of us being forced to do this at the same time is that when we go back, uh, hey, it becomes very easy to actually argue that, no, uh, if some of us are not uh, on location, if we're going to do a daily or if we're going to do a meeting, we're just going to do it with the headsets, each to their computer. Mm -hmm. So break up that uh, there's a knot of three or four people with um, one of those spider microphones that always has problems with echoes or distance and all of that. <laughs> uh, and, and and another bunch of people on the other side of the wire. No, just we have the, the apps, we have the network, uh, and we now learn how to use them. So there is nothing that prevents us from actually sitting next to each other, but everybody talking to their own headsets. And this makes it much simpler. Yeah, but there's also the thing that that you you miss some things that are going on in the project that everyone's aware of because there was a, a big emergency in, in the office and you or, or something something broke and, and you you completely missed it because everyone noticed it and you just weren't there, right? 
see, there is a lot of knowledge transfer that happens implicitly when you're in the same room mm-hmm. as a team. And this is invaluable. I, I think anybody who hears this uh, is going to nod. It's also a struggle to externalize this knowledge transfer. I find one of these, the, the, the issue of how do you document and transfer knowledge for an evolving software system across the team and the team's stakeholders, I think is one of the most difficult problems we have. It mm-hmm. becomes, in the worst case, it will become very bureaucratic, very, very you know, forms and triplicates, uh, Jira tickets, that everybody is doing formally but don't actually contain useful information after the fact. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And it also, on, for the individual, it is, it, it is a skill that needs to be cultivated and learned how to actually document. I mean, commit messages, for example. Yeah. As a, a programmer in the flow... The first couple of commit messages I will write in the code, if anybody reads them like a week later, we will never know what I did. Even mm-hmm. at looking at the code. Right? Because the comment is very context-specific. And the context is in my head because I am writing the code and I'm thinking about the problem and I, I do a couple of fixes and I just document the fix in the shortest possible way because I'm in the flow and I want to keep working and all of that. So... Actually, inform the the science of informative commit messages, um, and how to actually put context in your change and describe it in such a way so that somebody that hasn't doesn't have your context understands it later. This is exactly the same skill you need to communicate asynchronously and remotely mm-hmm. with people, and it is a very very hard skill, and it is also subject to uh, stress and pressure and time. So most people under pressure will not do something like this. It takes, well, it is also time consuming. It has to to be said. So these are the type of skills that I find, I I start um, valuing more and more in this context of work. And they all boil down to communication. And how you communicate yep. as individuals and communicate as a team. Mm. Uh, and I don't know why, because in the last couple of years, this has become the major thread in all discussions about software development and coding. Code is a communication medium. Your commit messages is a communication medium. Whatever you write as comments on your tickets is a communication medium between the team. And, mm. and how do you preserve information and transfer that knowledge? I find it fascinating. Yeah. If you've been a remote worker or you, you were a remote worker, then you were in the office for a couple of years. Now you're forced to be a remote worker. What is it going to look like for you after this is all over? Oh, I tweeted about this <laughs> the other day. As soon as this Lockdown and pandemic is over. I'm camping in the office. But this is you miss it. Is that I miss the? It's the the you know it's the 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 forget the work. 
it's the casual human contact, eh? the 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 coffee uh, um, the coffee break, the the walking yeah. past the office and then what are you doing? The the looking at the radiator screens, uh, going past the uh, the rooms another team has and just chatting about the the looking at the few scribblings on the whiteboard and going like, oh, why is this? Why are you doing this? Looks interesting. These things, mm. the 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 yeah. not the unplanned stimulus that you get moving in an office where creative people work and mm. collaborate. Uh, and yes, the the pandemic has takes its toll. It has reduced our personal um, contacts and uh, our social life to to a point where. Even the most hard-wearing are starting to fray at the edges, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I really look forward to, to seeing you again in person. I, it's so bizarre that we work in the same same company, same location, but we haven't seen each other in 10 months. Yeah. Huh. No. Uh, like there will be better times. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Uh, I am uh, sure. I mean, with all the, the the crazy stuff that is happening, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things to to find good. I mean, the y- you and I have also um, experience with um, with development of uh, medical devices and regulated development and contact with bureaucracies and norms. Uh, mm-hmm. This the subject of the, the vaccine development, it's also, I mean, it is a feat. It is, it is actually an absolute w- wonder how. If you remove all the, the obstacles and and put your head down how fast it actually was. <laughs> I mean, I quoted myself in the beginning of this. is like, we will need 18 months before we get anything working. And I, yeah. was, I turned out I was a liar. And, 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 the, and like the, the vaccine was actually finished like in January. <laughs> yeah, the and rest of it is all... making sure that it works for the most of us. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't harm you. <laughs> yeah, so that's really, really impressive. And this thing with remote working, this this subject, I mean, it it's basically brought it completely in the foreground. We're gonna have a lot of uh, of we have a lot of voices going. Oh, this is the future. Everything is gonna be fully remote from now on. I don't subscribe to this, but I do find it extremely beneficial to show that it showed that um, you this can be done. Okay? And providing this as an option for your employees and providing them this flexibility is only going to bring yep. benefits. Mm-hmm. But like I said, personally, I do subscribe to, I, I do f- need the periodic, let's all gather in one place. So I don't see offices completely obsoleted in the near yep. future. Well, I, I think maybe if one of the good things will be that it's not such a big deal that somebody's working from home today, then then that will already be 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 a good uh, accomplishment from this. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, you you know, this can work. It's not. Um, um, I remember a few years back. It was always like, when are you going to be in the office again, so we can we can work on something or do do something. And and now you, yeah, does, you don't have to be there. People know that you don't have to be in the office in order to accomplish something. So it uh, it it makes it makes it easier for those who have to work remotely or who who just choose to do so. Yep, options are a good thing. Always. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for for talking to me about this today. That that was really interesting. A bit different from the typical tech deep dive that we do here, and but but a, a very very interesting topic. Thank you so much for sharing your your wisdom with us. Thank you, Katie. I wouldn't call it wisdom. And if and if you ever say to anyone at work that you didn't do a deep tech dive with me so you were talking to me and we didn't do a tech dive i'm not going <laughs> to believe you <laughs> they are not going to believe you but uh, we'll save was... that for another episode <laughs> yeah it was great fun thanks for the invite and yeah let's do this again yes yes let's okay I talk to you soon and hopefully see you soon too this has been another episode of dev talk we'll see each other again in two weeks Bye-bye.